1: Born in Athens, Greece, as an Air Force brat, Terry now calls the North Carolina coast home. In 2020, she and her husband Bruce rode a tandem bicycle across the United States from Astoria, Oregon to Washington, D.C., successfully raising money for Toys for Tots. Her debut novel Sunflowers Beneath the Snow is a historical fiction set in Ukraine and she also has another new book coming out An Enemy Like Me. Welcome to the show Terry. It's exciting to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. All right. Well, I think you're the first like historical fiction author that we've had on the show. We did have a historical author on the show a few I think last year who wrote about her family being descendant from the Madisons, the President Madison. So you're our first historical fiction author, and I'm really excited that you're here. I want to hear from you, Terry, were you, when you were little, were you like always off in a corner, either reading or writing? Like what inspired you to to
2: write? So I was always in a corner reading, (laughs) always, always, always. When I was a little girl, I used to tell people that I wanted to be three things, that I wanted to be an Olympic ice skater, which is really funny because I cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. So that was never going to happen. I said I wanted to be a brain surgeon and that can never happen because the just the sight of blood makes me just a little unhappy. So that certainly was never going to happen. But I also said I wanted to be an author. It took me years and years and years to realize that goal. Because in my family, being an author was something that one did in in their spare time. It was Mm -hmm. not an actual job. You didn't go to school to become one and you, you know, it was not, it was not something that you aimed for. And so I kind of let that go for a long time. But in terms of reading, I read all the time. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I read so much that my mom would say, get outside. You've got to be outside. And so when she would walk out of my room, I'd open the window and put the book out on the ledge. And I'd go outside and I would get my book and I would climb a tree and I would read up in the tree where she couldn't see me. So,
1: oh my goodness. <laughs> well, you, your mom, and my mom, I was a reader as well. And There's something about the smell of the library that will never leave my nostrils. (laughs) We had, like, really, really old building and really, really old books in that that library. And it was my, like, safe and quiet and... Yeah, comforting space where I it was like a my little hideaway place to go to the library. And my mom used to say, "Get your nose out of that book."
2: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. In fact, what's really crazy is apparently I I don't remember this, but my mom tells the story. I taught myself to read.
1: Hmm.
2: I had asked her sometime, I guess, in kin- about kindergarten when I was going to learn to read, and my mom told me that I would learn in the first grade. Well, somewhere in there, I figured it out Mm -hmm. and didn't believe I was allowed to know yet because I wasn't in the first grade. So I was hiding under the covers with a (laughs) flashlight reading a book and my mom caught me and I cried and cried because I was sure I was in huge trouble for knowing how to read. And actually I was just in trouble for using the flashlight when I was supposed to be asleep but I was sure it was because I wasn't supposed to know how to read yet and I already did and I was going to be in huge trouble for doing this. Oh my god. The <laughs> things that the
1: things that we do as children that we create all of those ideas in our head. Well, yeah. I want to fast forward a little bit Terry to like what have you done since childhood? like in the interim, because, you know, your first novel, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, was published recently. So in the interim, did you, you know, what were you doing? Were you doing your writing on the side? Or were you just in a corner reading all the time? Or did you have some other things that were going on in your life? Oh, I had a lot
2: of things going on in my life. So I went to college, I got two majors and two minors, because I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Then I got married, and I had four children, and I was a stay-at-home homeschool mom for a long time, and that's pretty much what I did. Then when we needed a second income, I started working from home, writing for small businesses. So not fiction in any way, Mm -hmm. but at least it had me writing, and that, I think, is really what started pulling that idea back that, you know, I really would love to write, However, in all of that, I got divorced. So now I'm a single mother of four homeschooled children. And so that was a a whole crazy thing on its own. Then I remarried and the man I remarried was emotionally abusive. And so it was a horrible situation. And I lived in that for 14 years because I did not want to be divorced again. You know, I already felt like a failure for having gotten divorced the first time. And the second time it was never going to happen. And so I lived in this really bad situation for a very long time. Mm. And despite knowing that I wanted to write, I didn't believe in myself. Like mm. I didn't believe that, that I could do it and was told, you know, just because you can write nonfiction doesn't mean that you can write fiction. I got out of that relationship in 2017 and immediately began writing. Congratulations! It was, like, it was like all of those characters in my head that had been talking to me finally said, okay, enough's enough, and you've got to write. Mm. But even then, I was writing, but I was afraid to show it to anyone mm. because I didn't really believe in myself. Sure. Well, then I met my now husband, Bruce, and he's a wonderful guy. I finally got it right. Took three, and I, I know what <laughs> I'm doing now. But- we went on this adventure where we crossed the United States on a tandem bicycle. And I very much, he's wanted to do this his whole life. He is athletic. I am not, but this is something that has been on his bucket list. And what was on mine was I wanted this adventure, something big and bold. And I thought it was to prove to other people that I still had some value and some worth. And really it was to prove to myself And I didn't realize that until about two-thirds of the way through the trip. And I recognized it was about me. It wasn't really about anyone else.
1: Aren't these always the way? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: But while on this trip, I mean, I changed. I became far more confident. A lot of the demons that had been chasing me around got put in their proper places. That's not to say that they don't ever come popping up because, you know, we all have them and they all pop up, but they're no longer sitting in the forefront and when I came back from that trip, I thought I rode across the United States, three thousand one hundred and two miles on a tandem bicycle. If I can do that, I can do anything. Oh, I love and, it, Terry. I and love so it. the yeah, so the thought then was, well, what do you want to do? What yeah, is so, that? Thing? So let me
1: let me let yeah. me stop you there. Yeah, yeah, because one of the things I like to do is make sure that our listeners really hear some of the things from your story, because it may be something that they're experiencing themselves right now. So a couple things I wanna just highlight there. Number one, you, you had writing and being an author in you from childhood. So for our listeners, if you have had something in you since childhood, it's probably valid. It's probably something that is worthy of, of saying yes to and experimenting with and exploring. Number two, I think it's really interesting that, you know, you went through my marriage, ended up getting divorced, homeschooling all your kids, and then ended up in this second relationship that was abusive and stayed for a long period of time. And so for anybody who's listening who is in that kind of a situation, I want to affirm you know, both Terry being here as well as myself being here, having been through some abusive relationships as well, you can get out. You can get out. And, you know, everybody's going to have their own timing. Uh But what's really beautiful about that part of your story, Terry, is that when you got out, it literally popped open. Like the ending of that relationship popped open and germinated this Latent seed that was within you to get you to start writing fiction. And then fast forward to this bike trip, which was also a life changing adventure. Very life changing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I'd like to ask you now, Terry, is once you Began the process of self empowerment. That's what I'm going to call this like self affirmation, this process of self empowerment, self affirmation, of self transformation. Were you like writing in bits and bats? Were you writing with the intention it was going to be a specific novel, you know, historical fiction novel? Like, tell us a little bit more about the process of ultimately not only saying yes to your authorship but, you know, how it unfolded as you were going through this process.
2: So when I first left that, the the bad marriage, the words were tumbling out of me and I was writing manuscripts, complete manuscripts. I have four of them before the one that actually has become my first novel. And and they're not that good. Those first four, they're the learning tools. They're, They're where I figured out things like like the characters have to have some flaws. I can't have them be perfect. Mm-hmm. My first character was so perfect, so perfect. And and I think it's because I was identifying with her so much and I needed to be so perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and I needed her to be perfect and and, you know, come through everything. Yeah. And it's like it's a great idea until you read it. Mm -hmm. And recognize that there's nothing relatable about a perfect character because there's no such person. So I learned things in all of that writing. But at the time, I still had so much fear. So many of the demons that were still haunting me in terms of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. I really can't do this. This is nothing more than a hobby. I'm wasting my time. All those things that I had been told not even just in a bad relationship that I was in, but, you know, as a child, mm-hmm. not that my parents meant any harm by it, but in their in their world, a writer meant that you would starve to death and you mm-hmm. needed to do something different. And so I had a lot of these you know, ideas in my head that were very negative. So despite actually writing, I wrote Sunflowers Beneath the Snow before I went on this trip mm-hmm. and it was written. I was afraid. I wasn't I wasn't going to show it to anyone. I showed it to my husband. He loved it. But of course he loved it. Mm-hmm. He loved me and I didn't expect him to say anything else and I didn't believe that what he was saying was true. I mean to a point but not I, I felt it was more flattery or of course I love it because I love you, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so I was just terribly afraid to do anything with it and I don't know that in my mind I ever thought that it would go any further than I would let the characters out of my head and onto paper, and maybe my family would read it. Mm. You know, I don't think that I ever honestly believed that I could be an actual author with an actual book that people actually purchased and wanted to read and wanted to talk to me about. I didn't see, I couldn't go that far in my head because Mm. that would require me having this belief in myself that I didn't, I just didn't have.
1: Mm, Beautiful. So it was,
2: yeah, it was the trip that kind of made me believe in me. Mm, Beautiful. All right.
1: We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the book, Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, and the other book, An Enemy Like Me. And we're also going to talk about why you chose historical fiction. I'm sure there's a story behind that story as well. But right now, we are going to take a quick break. Wickedly Smart Women, we could use your help. If you are enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. We'd also like to ask you to share with your lovely lady friends who you think might benefit from our content. Help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so we can serve them too. I want to celebrate. We have won eight awards now for the show, and I've got another one over there that needs to be unboxed. I haven't got it on the shelf yet, but that's going to be on my get-to-do list for a little bit later. And so we want to say thank you to our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing and who are you know, really encouraging us to continue to put out award-winning content and especially to my team behind the scenes and all my great guests. And we are welcoming thousands of downloads from 104 countries now all around the world. I want to shout out this week to our listeners. The latest country is Algeria. So welcome to our listeners in Algeria. We might as well also shout out to our listeners in Ukraine and our listeners in Mozambique. And we will be right back with
0: Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty filled, balanced life of shameless self expression. Discover your wealthy life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com.
1: And we are back with Terry Brown. Before we went to the break, we were talking about her book and want to let you know where you can find out more about her. You can go to terrymbrown.com. That's Terry with one R, mbrown.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. And when you get to her site, you can sign up for her newsletter. And you're also going to get a list of 10 historical fiction books that will bring you to tears. So you may want to hop on over there and grab that and also consider purchasing one or both of her books so that you can uh, help this Wickedly Smart Woman continue to step even more into her authorship and continue to pursue her life adventure of being a ultimately, I'm sure, best-selling author. So, Terry, let's talk about Sunflowers Beneath the Snow, historical fiction set in Ukraine. You know, obviously, when you finally made the decision to put it into book form and, you know, you got it out of your head and onto a page, but then you had to put it into book form, you know, your timing was pretty aligned with Ukraine suddenly. Yeah, Ukraine suddenly being like really on the map for people in ways that it hadn't been for a long time. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about the premise of the book and how you kind of how you feel about the timing of finally getting it out of you. Right. And out into the public.
2: Right. So the book has a, a little bit of truth to it. In fact, the last three pages of the last chapter are true. And it's a story that a Ukrainian friend told me. When she told me this story, it was so powerful that goosebumps ran up my arms. And I thought, oh, this has got to be like a movie or a book. But at the time I heard the story, I was still in that bad relationship. And there was no way I thought I could write it. Then in 2018, I did write it. So I tell everyone I wrote 82,000 words of fiction so I could tell three pages of truth. But the, the story itself, it follows three generations of Ukrainian women. The oldest generation is married to a man who is a rebel, essentially a spy. In 1973, he gets compromised and he has a choice. He can die or he can leave the country. But if he leaves the country, he has to leave his family behind. He, he makes that choice to leave. And now we follow this woman and her child through until now she also has a grandchild, and we see how they navigate living in Ukraine when it's still under Soviet control, then into when it's, it's early independence, and then all the way up to when Russia invaded in 2014. So yeah, the timing is phenomenal, because like I said, I got the idea in 2016, wrote it in 18, finally got it accepted in 2021, And then it came out literally just weeks before this current Ukraine-Russia crisis. So,
1: wow, that's pretty intense that the timing was so aligned. So let's talk about a little bit about what's happened for you and the book since it came out, because, you know obviously the stars all aligned here. So as an author, for anybody who's listening in the audience who might want to become an author themselves, I'd like to have you talk to us about like what's been the experience of now becoming, like having that rite of passage of the book is in your hand and you are now officially an author.
2: So again, initially, like, when I got the book and saw my name on the cover, well, for 48 hours, I walked with the book pressed up against my chest. And every time I kept pulling it and looking and seeing my name and pulling it back to my chest. I mean, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. I, I just couldn't believe it. Then came that first time of handing that book to someone. And I was afraid because, I mean, I knew my publisher liked it. My husband liked it but now I was setting it out into the world and you know what if people hated it and it's my baby you know mm. it's like my my I don't know it's a baby it's mine and 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 these are my characters and and it's all in my head and it's different than if they didn't like an article that I wrote for a real estate agent. Mm. You know, because if they didn't like it, more than likely they just weren't interested in the topic. It wasn't a big deal. But these were these were my children, you know, mm-hmm. and the idea that you're we gonna send it out into the world. And so the first couple of reviews that I got from readers and they were good, and I would, I would just cry. I cried, I bet I cried more in the first month that that book was out than I've cried in years because it was just a very emotional journey for me to think that I'm actually doing this. Mm-hmm. The timing has been both wonderful and horrible. I mean, nobody wants this. Right? Like I absolutely would never have said, well, this is what I need to get my book going. But because Ukraine has been in the news mm-hmm. and my story is almost like ripped from the headlines, it, it has been really helpful. A lot of people read it and they find out the kind of the backstory about what's happening today mm. most people don't really understand the relationship between ukraine and russia and and that this has been going on for generations this isn't new this didn't start in 2014 it didn't even start in this century or last this has been an ongoing thing and so it's given people some context about what's actually happening there today and i had one reader tell me that it helped them have Friends, they are now in Ukraine. And so they have more empathy and compassion for mm. what's happening to them. And immediately when I heard that, I thought, that's what I need this book to do. Mm. I need this book to help people understand and have that empathy and compassion that's difficult to have if you don't know anyone there. Yeah. Because it's easy to say, oh, those poor <laughs> Ukrainian people, but they're this group and they're far away and they're far removed. But as soon as you feel you know someone there, then how you feel about it is different. And I think that's when I realized that the books that I'm writing can have a real impact on people. Sure. It's more than just entertainment.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's what I'm hearing there, Terry, is that this particular book, for so, for certain, I, I don't know about the others, but this particular book is, is literally what I'm hearing is making a bridge to opening hearts and minds. Because what happens with a fiction book is if you're a reader, and I'm a reader, right? If you're a reader, you do fall in love with the characters. You know what I mean? And so what I'm perceiving here is that your characters and your book and the story that you have crystallized onto the page is giving people a touch point that opens their hearts and minds exactly. and 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 actually repersonalizes the headlines and makes them much more capable of of having that bridge opened up between them exactly. and, and those people. Yeah. Beautiful. And and what
2: I've realized <clears throat> is is that, you know, I've written my next book, An Enemy Like Me, and it has it has some of the same abilities. True, it's a World War II. It, it isn't quite as timely in terms of, you know, I don't think we're having World War III come January when my book comes out. So that isn't going to be a problem. Please but no. It, <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but what it does do is that book focuses on, it's a German-American, first generation German-American who fights in World War II he believes he's going to be fighting in japan he ends up fighting in germany and he recognizes that he's more like the enemy than mm. he is different from the enemy mm. and i'm hoping that's going to help people like think about that what what makes an enemy and not just an enemy like in war but in things like in you know racism or any of the phobias that that we have about different groups mm. and what is it that prompts us to hate someone Mm. or to dislike them to a point that you've put them in a them category. And what can we do to kind of like change that attitude? And Mm. for me, it's getting to know people. If you get to know people one-on-one, then it's very difficult to dislike them for a group that they're in. Mm. You may dislike them for who they are, but but it's going to be about them it's not about their group when bruce and i rode across the united states we met hundreds of people mm. they were of all different different ages races socioeconomic statuses religions sexual orientations you name it we met them mm. and it was interesting we we didn't have problems meeting anybody getting to know them and finding a commonality sure So if you can find a commonality in your enemy, then the things that you don't agree with don't matter as much. Mm. You know, like if you meet someone and you've connected with them, you and I connect over books, right? And we could sit and talk for hours and hours and hours about our love of reading. Yes. Well, as we're doing that, our political affiliations aren't going to matter. Right, And whether or not you had the same religious beliefs I do aren't going to matter. And it doesn't matter because we've found a connection that does matter.
1: Yeah, that Does that make bond. sense? Totally. And so, that's so yeah,
2: bond. so I'm hoping that that's what this next book does. So I really think that literature has that way of allowing people to make connections that they may not be able to make in another way. Mm. And it's safe because it's in your head. So if if you meet someone and you're having, you know, a a racist type thought in your head, it's safe because it's there in your head and you can examine it and you can find what you need to do with it and you can move on from it. And it's different than trying to do it out in public.
1: Yeah. Where it's not
2: quite as safe.
1: Beautiful. Well, Terry, I love that you are so on purpose, not only in becoming the author that you were born to be, but also in leveraging your authorship to help build bridges and build connections and build understanding and build compassion and build empathy and build awareness. And so I'm really grateful for you for coming on the show and really grateful that you are doing the beautiful work that you're doing. I want to encourage our readers to, again, to go to terrymbrown.com. You can find her books there. And listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that number for you in the show notes, or you can send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your
0: ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.